0: Welcome on into the show. My name is Danny Gallagher and I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur, the other person that had a one-way ticket to Cancun the other day. It's Benny
1: Horowitz. <laughs> What's up, dude? I've never been. No? Never been. Never been to Cancun. I, I don't know. That's not my type of place. I'm usually uncomfortable at resorts and things of that nature. Yeah. I, I don't fit in, you know? Where not
0: was good. your, you know, in your heyday of touring, you'd get off tour, you know, you'd want a little break, you'd want to get away, maybe not be in New Jersey. Where was your go-to place?
1: Uh, I mean, for someone like me, yeah. after being on tour, going home and sitting on the couch and playing some NBA Live or something <laughs> for a couple of days, like before I had kids, that was the vacation I needed. Oh, man. That's I great. certainly didn't need Cancun. Later in life, my wife and I discovered a converted barn Mm. up in Hudson Valley, where you could pretend like you had a lot of your own uh, property. That's what we (laughs) used to do. I'm into that. But get this, Denny. Yeah. When I was a kid, I was in a band called dilemma. Mm. That was my first band, my first hardcore band and a couple older guys, the singer and a guitar player who brought me into it. And the guitar player, his name was Torsten, still is. Mm-hmm. He's a very talented guy, even when he was young. You're like, why can you do so many things, you know? One of those people just picked something up and was always good at it and was good, great at guitar. And it turns out, guess what Torsten is doing today? Um, he's
0: a hedge fund manager. No, so <laughs> much cooler.
1: So th- he, he uh, is an astrophysicist. Oh. And he is the lead flight systems engineer for the Perseverance rover. How about that? that is currently making its way uh, through Mars and collecting data and samples right now. How
0: about that?
1: And uh so the old guitar player from Dilemma is currently uh, obtaining and storing Martian rock cores wow. for retrieval on a follow-up mission.
0: How do you like that? So you do know somebody on Elon Musk's payroll. That's interesting.
1: Hey, listen, I got, I got an in, I got an in to big, is this big tech? This is big tech. Is this like the ultimate big tech? All right, here I go. I'll never get deplatformed. Look at me. I can say anything.
0: Next thing you know, a Tesla's going to be showing up at your house and you're going to get a million dollars in Dogecoin. I can't wait for this for you.
1: But I bring that up yeah. because it's a testament to everyone to just stay curious, you yeah. know? Stay imaginative. Keep pushing. Have fun. And you could wind up being a guy like Torsten, you know, who strapped a surfboard to his motorcycle when he was, like, 18 and drove across the country and now makes Mars rovers. Shout you know, out to just Torsten. Just go for it. Yeah. Hashtag strive for greatness.
0: <laughs> oh, we're getting to LeBron later. We're getting to LeBron much later in the show. Great tease. All right. Let's get into this day in music history. Doo, 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 doo.
1: Well, this is one of my favorites. Yeah. And it's a story everybody knows, but I feel like the details kind of get lost. So, on this day in 86, mm. Ozzy Osbourne, mm-hmm. king of darkness, <laughs> urinates on a statue near the Alamo, desecrating the Texas landmark. He was in San Antonio for a show in his Diary of a Madman tour. I don't know if you've ever been to San Antonio. I have it's not. It's a pretty sleepy town.
0: Yeah.
1: Ozzy's had a few too many drinks and he <laughs> passes out. Sharon's idea to keep uh, Ozzy from causing hijinks is to put him in her dress and ballerina shoes to deter him from going outside. I mean, pretty great plan. Yeah, The plan fails. (laughs) Ozzy wanders out into the San Antonio night in his wife's clothing, Hmm. eventually feels the need to pee, and he selects a seemingly insignificant statue to do the deed, uh, after being accosted by police, the Prince of Darkness discovered the statue was not insignificant. Rather, that's the Alamo Cenotaph, a 60-foot high no. statue raised in 1939 <laughs> to honor the Texans who died there.
0: Yikes. So here's
1: an Englishman dubbed the Prince of Darkness uh, peeing on a 60-foot statue that honors dead Texans. I mean... That's bad.
0: That's a tough look. That's, bad. that's a that's tough bad. look for anybody. So it's
1: adjacent to the to, to the Alamo Plaza. They didn't like it. Of course, Ozzy is quickly banned for life from San Antonio. Story <laughs> sneaks into the uh, the media and morphs into the idea that Ozzy peed on the Alamo itself, which is mm-hmm. not true. And that's actually what I thought until I read more into this. Um, apparently, there was a quote saying that if Ozzy had peed on the Alamo himself, he would have been beaten within an inch of his life. So, good thing I guess he didn't. Now, apparently he instantly regretted the incident. He was released on a, a $40,000 bond paid by the promoter of the concert. And the concert still actually saw problems, because fans who were unable to get into the sold-out show rioted, and 24 people were arrested. It's probably a bigger problem than the uh, urination itself. But, It turns out, Ozzy, you know, being a stand-up guy, 10 years later, he donated 10 grand. Feels small, actually, for a guy like Ozzy. 10 grand to the Daughters of the Republic of Texas, and his ban from the city was lifted. He chalks it all up to the evils of intoxication. I don't know about evils. I mean, it's a great story. Yeah.
0: Now you're saying this. Now I think that he's complicit in getting George Bush elected. The Daughters of the Texas Revolution? Come on.
1: Uh, daughters of the republic of Ty- like man imagine the uh, the cotillions or whatever the fuck that they hold Woo, some get out shit scary oh, i'm man. scared scared of whatever that is oh, not but, gonna google it
0: but i'm happy that ozzy could uh you know put the stream in the river walks so to speak oh well done Oh, Benny! On this day in 1990, Freddie Mercury made his final public appearance on stage with Queen to collect the Brit Award for Outstanding Contribution to Music, held at the Dominion Theatre in London. That's it. That's the tweet. If you go on YouTube, you can see the entire performance. But uh, yeah, man, just crazy to think about. You know, Uh, in in a year where we've had so many like final public appearances for prominent people. Uh, just another great one up there. And by the way, they released photos this past week of uh, so the original version of uh, Bohemian Rhapsody was supposed to have Sasha Baron Cohen as Freddie Mercury. And I saw yes, some pictures on Instagram that. this week of him in the Freddie Ma- uh, Mercury getup. Yeah. That would have been a whole different movie, but I-, I would have been here for it.
1: Yeah, he's turned into like the uh, the Nick Cage Superman. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I remember hearing that it was gonna be him. And wasn't totally opposed, but there were some things that I took issue. I, yeah, he seemed a little tall. Yeah. A little too, you know, comical. I, I think the way they played it was fine. I mean, to the point that I can't even see uh Rami Malik in anything else. And right? all I see is like Freddie Mercury murdering people now. Like he did such a good job <laughs> in that film. He's forever Freddie Mercury to me. Yeah.
0: All right, Benny. You brought up strive for greatness before, and we're gonna touch on something here that dives into another tune-up sweet spot. I really should create a sounder for this. So, um, this morning, actually, you know, on the day that we're recording this, LeBron James is back in the news, as he is every single day, especially if you live in the basketball sphere. He tweets out, "My love for music is insane!" All caps, yes. three exclamation marks. I think I'm going to do a album grammar there uh Scary. oh no i won't be rapping or anything like that i'm not crazy i know what i'm great at but i tell you one thing i do have period okay so many friends emoji emoji thinking out load now benny i don't know if you've uh thought out load in in back in your day but it's uh it's easily uh it's easy, it's, it's easy to get around. I really got myself into a pickle there. All right, so, Benny, this brings me to a perfect tune-up yeah. topic for us. Give me, it doesn't have to be 10, but give me the artist that you want to see on LeBron's mixtape.
1: Okay. Well, I have 10. All right, I love okay. it. First off, can we get LeBron, like, I have about one 100,000th. One 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 of the followers LeBron James <laughs> says. And I don't let typos slip yeah, through right. on Twitter. Or you delete it. You know it. what I mean? Yeah. All right, delete it. But I mean, come on. Like, you know what the public's fear is like. You're gonna put load in there and not re, re- like, come on, LeBron. That's just sloppy. Sloppy work. I don't appreciate you know, I love LeBron James. I love almost yeah. everything about him. His, his grammar lack his lack of focus on his grammar yeah. is a little disturbing. But First off, there's a couple of delineations I had to make. A this is not a mixtape I want to see. You know what I mean if that if that was the case, we'd have six Stoner Metal songs and all of a sudden Russell Westbrook would like Isis, you know? Oh um so so I got to think <laughs> in the context here of what's really going on and what these people want. So, LeBron James has said he wants this to be Hip hop bass. People are just assuming this is a rap record. So I got to stay in that context to just, you know, funnel down who we can put on this thing. Mm -hmm. Now, if LeBron James wants to flex about his friends, which is a flex, uh, he's got to get the best friends he can possibly get. So right off the bat, I think about the big dogs. Jay-Z's got to be on it. Nas has to be on Mm -hmm. it. Kendrick Lamar has to be on it. Drake has to be on it. To me, that's like your modern big four. That if you're trying to flex and be cool, and you can actually text all four of those people, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, you should. Now, now we're gonna get a little funnier, okay? What about a Dr. Dre Snoop Dogg re-collaboration? Mm. Does he have the juice to pull that off? <laughs> now I'm gonna test LeBron. This is mm-hmm. what I'm doing now, is I want LeBron to go out of his wheelhouse and pull some special things off. Okay. Okay. So the Dre and Snoop collab, if he can pull off, that would be big. Now we have to put master P on. (laughs) That's the best rapper slash basketball player ever. Right. Mm -hmm. On the other side, not the best player slash basketball, you know, you know the deal. Yeah. But you got to have Master P on. I mean, anyone who gets walk-on tryouts to basketball <laughs> teams and has had mega success as a hip-hop artist is automatically on. Now, I think you need to represent, like, the uh, the local, like, supporters of teams. Right? Okay. So I think maybe giving uh, Joey Badass a nod to do something for the Nets. You give Quavo a nod to do something for the Hawks. You know, you get like some of the local, uh, you know, maybe the game comes on, does some Lakers shit. So if you do
0: that, you have to get Macklemore in here for the Sonics, right? Yeah. Oh, that's disappointing.
1: (laughs) Yeah. If he's willing to spit for the OKC Thunder, maybe our boy Barty Strange would do that. So I think you got to represent those people like the local fan types who uh, who are the supporters of the team anyway. Now, here's my best idea, okay? Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Here's the one that I need LeBron to pull off. This is would be a bigger coup than Space Jam, okay? <laughs> Curtis Blow, writer mm. and performer of mm-hmm. the song Basketball, the very famous song mm-hmm. Basketball. He's only 61, and he's alive. So this is what we do. We get Curtis Blow here. We get him in the studio, and you team him up with Dame Dollar,
0: you team him up with
1: Shaq, <laughs> and then here's the big one. Yeah. You finally get to hear the 2011 track with LeBron James and Kevin Durant rapping together oh, that's... on the Curtis Blow <laughs> version, which did happen. It's out there. Kevin Durant rapped on a hip-hop album. I think it's yeah. got to be bad. There's a reason we've never heard it. So if LeBron James can get Curtis Blow out of retirement, back in the studio to re-record basketball with Damian Lillard and Shaquille O'Neal and this whole cast of characters I think that's that's the single that's the big the big get on this record now the only other things I was thinking I was like if LeBron wants to break out of his wheelhouse a little maybe you throw on like Tim McGraw he's probably like the (laughs) safest country artist right and then uh I was thinking maybe you could get if he could pull off like getting uh nolan liam back together for like an oasis song you know a lot of people would be like lebron good on you chap you know if he pulled that off so uh those are a bit of a reach i got to stay in a hip-hop context but that is my list i think i did more than 10 but my big thing i I need to see that curtis blow song (laughs)
0: Well, every LeBron championship team has a token white guy, so I think, (laughs) and because LeBron tends to make the corniest choice possible, it's either going to be some variation of Creed or Nickelback that he'd have as your token white guy.
1: Oh, no, you wouldn't. Stop. (laughs) These are not even relevant artists. Maybe Nickelback. Maybe he'd get Nickelback.
0: There's a 100% chance that Dame is going to be on this, but here's the thing, and I'll tell you what's going to happen here. So at some point before this comes out, Dame and LeBron are going to play a game of poker. And Dame may lose cuz I feel like LeBron's very skillful in that regard and he's going to have to fork over 10 tracks uncredited that LeBron gets to take credit for rapping on because this is just the business of Bron Industries over here. He's like the he's like the Bruce Wayne of the NBA. So that's what's going to happen here with Dame. Right. Yeah,
1: but if he's doing that, if he has the resources to take all of Dame's songs, isn't he going to take an actual like hip hop artist songs? (laughs) These guys are right. Like, why does Javale McGee have a fucking Grammy? You know, like half the guys (laughs) in there own the rights to like that. Like, I don't don't know. I Dame's too much of an artist.
0: Yeah, but Benny, all right, he's on Portlandia already. He's crossed (laughs) over. You know. Here is my ten ten figures that are going to appear on this mixtape. Number ten. All right, just because, you know, I feel like we're going to have a little Brentwood on Brentwood crime here, no pun intended. We're going to have O.J. Simpson.
1: Oh, Jesus Christ! Dude. <laughs> yes, number nine.
0: <laughs> we're going to have a track with Blue Ivy and Bronny called Generational Wealth.
1: Aw, how, how about sweet. That? How about that? Even though you know, I think, like, well, Blue Ivy is really like nice. six.
0: That's really nice. Number eight. You know, we're just going to have Jermaine Dupree. Because th- <laughs> there's no joke here. This is just good advice, right? Okay. Okay. Number seven, we're gonna have Sibo, and I think that this is gonna happen because you know LeBron goes into his phone. He's gonna think he's gonna think he's texting Chris Bosh,
2: mm. and then
0: he's gonna end up with a uh, Sibo that brought us the 1998 hit "Till My Casket Drops." So yeah, we're gonna get Sibo in there. Gonna you know yeah. harken back to his childhood in in, in yeah, Akron. Yeah. Yeah uh number six you know we're gonna have two birds of a feather here kind of we're gonna have Birdman, not chris anderson okay uh talking about the guy who's currently married to tony braxton yeah shout out to him another Mm -hmm. you know lebron's got to get a better assistant if he keeps making these kind of (laughs) texting errors but hey it happens he's getting older dude's almost 40 it happens right Mm -hmm. um number five we're gonna have drama in here because you know a queen's got a queen right no just <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That was the most slanderous one, great, I promise it you. That was great.
2: That uh, great.
0: Number four, you know, little serious here. Uh, we're going to have these uh, Kobe tracks from the 90s, these unreleased Kobe oh, tracks, right, you know, kind of right, paying right, homage. Right. At some point, it's going to make its way in. Okay. Number three, nice. we finally agree. I'm going to have Drake on here because, you know, LeBron is essentially the Drake of the NBA. That's Corniest right. MFR out there. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, number two, we're going to have ludicrous because it'd be pretty meta considering the caliber of this idea. I like, that. I like that. And the number one artist that's going to be on this mixtape, we're going to have Proof on here because that's all LeBron's been looking for his entire career that
1: he's the greatest of all time. So those oh, are my 10
0: people on this list rough, for the
1: Rough. <laughs> we might have forgotten the people who are going to definitely get on. Yeah. For sure, this is Bone Thugs.
0: Oh, yeah,
1: he's definitely gonna represent Bone Thugs, even though I think they actually sold their name. Oh, really? To, to, to Buffalo Wild Wings, and I think they legitimately changed the name of their band to like Bone Thugs and Wild Wings or some oh, bullshit man. like that.
0: That's tough. So,
1: I guess the uh, first of the month didn't come fast enough. <laughs> Uh, Is it too deep of a cut? No, no, no. I get the reference.
0: I get the reference. I'm just trying to move past it like you did with OJ Simpson. Um, All right. So let's actually kind of turn our attention to the hardwood a little bit. Benny, this all star game in Atlanta, you know, we've talked about it the past few weeks, it's actually happening. Whether people actually show up is a whole different story. But in addition to that, the NBA is trying to get its star players to do PSAs for the vaccine to get people inoculated all across the country. But there's been a little pushback here, either viewing it as not their responsibility, a little skeptical of the vaccine, maybe. So there's a lot of pushback here. But, Benny, this kind of poses the question, is it these athletes' responsibility to... Uh, promote the vaccine and it's like uh, I think it kind of takes a little more for some of these guys than just goodwill to be out here yeah. on front street with this thing
1: I think this is pretty murky this one mm. you know um especially right now and I have a feeling even some of these athletes are kind of coming from like a I don't think often things that they think would um uh, collide with their brand with their imaging with stuff like that usually I think the NBA and the players do things that are consistent to help their brand and imaging so yeah. even when I think it's things they don't want they still kind of do it and I think this may be one of the first times where they're concerned about that where there is like players on certain teams in certain places who I don't know. I don't know if it's good for their brand to do these types of things. Um, the fact that, listen, we, we get into this a lot and it's going to come up in the next conversation as well. These are private companies uh-huh. hiring people to do a job. Yeah. And if this were a corporation and they were requiring their employees to do some kind of like video servicing ad or something, they'd probably have to do it if they, you know, um, if they, if their hand was forced. Yeah. So this begs that, that big question of like, what is their responsibility uh, if they agree with it or not as just employees and as people. Um, And this one is, happens to be really, really uh, murky for a lot of different reasons. I mean, even what the NBA is doing, like, you know, they've reported, uh, excuse me, they've reportedly instituted mandatory team seminars with Dr. Leroy Sims, the NBA's senior vice president on on medical affairs. So, I mean, even though, you know, from the surface that looks like, oh, we're trying to educate the players into like, you know, the fact, no, they're trying to convince the players that this is good and this is something you should endorse And as me, a personal person, yes, I think people should probably go out and get this fucking thing. You know what I mean? And the things that help. But, uh, you know, and again, I don't know if the players are offended by it or it's just me. But again, that you need these guys to be some like catalyst for you, for like the black community. And they need to be like your mouthpieces to make sure that your messaging is getting to the black community. It's almost like, Maybe one of the things uh, Michael Jordan was running into in the last year or two, sort of being this like, hey, I'm the, the face for everyone else. And you get to talk to me and I'll delineate this information. It's like it's a complicated scenario with a lot of different people thinking a lot of different ways. So uh, I don't really have a good answer for this one. Yeah. I think it's murky. And I think the players who are a little distressed in doing it actually have a right to be this time.
0: And I mean, we'd be super remiss if we didn't at least bring up the uh, history of vaccinations in the African-American community in this country. Not exactly the best thing. It's one thing to sell out, to to try to, you know, you get like your shoe deal and and all that stuff and you're on the come up when it comes to potentially and now there's not enough data out there and how it uh, affects minority communities. If you're putting your reputation on the line and say say this vaccine only works with white people or like uh, or not in the black community that's a tough thing because then if it makes people work worse and it gives people the rona and there isn't a sufficient cure for it what's that gonna be i mean then i feel like you kind of lose all of like the leader social capital thing that you have so it's a really tough unenviable position to be in
1: yeah. And I mean, it even brings up something like, you know, I went through, which is, you know, when you have a family and you're not a doctor and you're not a scientist, mm. all you have to do is like wait the opinions of other people to make crucial decisions about your own life and family. You know, like someone like me trying to read the hundred page medical reports on, uh, you know, the effects vaccines the potential side effects of vaccines like how they ran these studies and the amounts they used and things like that it's just beyond my skill set to understand so you have to put this trust in people who you don't know Mm. or don't necessarily trust and you have to make these really really weighty decisions that sometimes are often uh the better of two bad decisions So the idea that, like, you have to take a vaccine, but you don't really want to, and you're just doing it because, eh, I think the alternative sucks even worse, but I'm not so sure about it that I want to, like, speak on it or speak for it, you know? Um, Yeah, it's, it's complicated.
0: All right, well, speaking of another complicated issue, Benny, you know, I feel like this player empowerment Movement, moment, error, whatever you want to call it, is kind of coming to a head. This past week, you know, a bunch of big names in the NBA are reportedly on the move, most notably uh, Andre Drummond from the Cleveland Cavaliers, Blake Griffin. The Cleveland Cavaliers have made the decision to bench Andre Drummond until they figure out what's next for him and move on. And this came under some fire from Draymond Green of the Golden State Warriors. Benny, take a listen to what Draymond Green said after the game the other night about this era of player empowerment and the Andre Drummond situation in Cleveland.
2: Um, I would like to talk about something that's really bothering me, and uh, it's the treatment of players in this league. To, to watch Andre Drummond before the game uh, sit on the sideline then go to the back and then come out in street clothes because a team is going to trade him is bull because when James Harden asked for a trade and essentially dogged it, I don't think there was no surprise or no, you know, there's no one's going to fight back that James was dogging it his last days in Houston, but he was castrated <laughs> for one to go to a different team. And everybody destroyed that man. And yet, a team can come out and say, oh, we want to trade a guy. And then that guy is to go sit. And if he doesn't stay professional, then he's a cancer. And he's not good in someone's locker room. And he's the issue. Mm -hmm. And we've seen situations of Harrison Barnes getting pulled off the bench. You know, DeMarcus Cousins finding out that he's traded in an interview after the All-Star game. And we continue to let this happen. But I got fined for stating my opinion of what I thought should happen with another player, but teams can come out and continue to say, oh, we're trading guys, we're not playing you. And yet we're to stay professional. At some point, as players, we need to be treated with the same respect and have the same rights that the team can have. Because as a player, you're the worst person in the world when you want a different situation. But a a team can say they're trading you and that man is to stay in shape, he is to stay professional, and if not, his career is on the line. At some point, this league has to protect the players from embarrassment like that. You know, we talk all of this stuff about you can't do this, you can't say that publicly. If you say that publicly, you're fine. Anthony Davis got fined, I think, a hundred thousand dollars or something like that for demanding a trade publicly. But you can say Andre Drummond is getting traded publicly and we're looking to trade him publicly and he's to stay professional and just deal with it. But then when Kyrie Irving say, oh, my mental health is off, everybody go crazy about that too. Do you not think that affects someone mentally? As much as we put into this game to be great, to come out here and be in shape, to produce for fans every single night and most importantly, to help your team win. Do you think, that doesn't affect someone mentally. But as players, we're told to, ah, no, you can't say that, you can't say this, but teams can? It goes along the same lines of when, when everyone wants to say, oh, man, that young guy can't figure it out. But no one wants to say the organization can't figure it out. At some point, the players must be respected in these situations, and it's ridiculous, and I'm sick of seeing it.
0: All right, Benny. So there's a lot to break down here. Um... Draymond Green has been a great leader for the player's voice in the NBA and stuff like that. But honestly, okay, so there's a couple things here when it comes to this. I personally don't really care for when NBA players or people making a lot of money uh, get on this soapbox of trying to act like they're like the common man, the guy that's getting... Screwed out of the hours at work and stuff like that. You know, I hate to take this approach because a lot of what he said is right about the mental health of players and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, you can't not look if you're an organization. Unfortunately, these players are huge assets to you. They're what you build your future around. So to not sit Andre Drummond because you're going to trade him and risk that injury is is kind of insane from the Cavs' perspective. And wouldn't Andre Drummond appreciate that? Because if you get traded, right, and say, I'm not sure right now because I don't have it in front of me if he's an expiring contract or not, but if you get injured in these next few games and your contract is, and there's nothing waiting for you at the end of, of the season, wouldn't you appreciate them holding you out rather than having to go about uh risking this injury like this i don't know it just seems like like maybe dre's missing the point here
1: well i think to stop you right there i think maybe you're missing the point a little bit about what he's saying okay it's not necessarily the fact that the team doesn't have a right to sit someone and doesn't have a right to trade someone i think he was highlighting more the idea that like do you have to be a good little soldier sitting on the bench you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like if the team has made it so clear, we want nothing to do with your basketball abilities anymore, mm-hmm. which exactly like you said is what they sign. They sign you to do these things. If they no longer require that service, why can't you let them go from the team and not, you know, a day after you were playing a game, be forced to go sit on the bench in your plain clothes, not play basketball, cheer on the guys who, You're not going to be your teammates soon anyway. Deal with coaches who aren't going to be your people anyway. Go into stadiums who you know you're going to have nothing to do with in a couple weeks. And that's why I think he said it a couple times. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for a person. So I think it was less about in that regard as far as uh, Andre Drummond. I think it was more about parading these guys out there in really uncomfortable situations, mm. putting him out there in plain clothes, letting DeMarcus cousins find out he was traded at a press conference with giving nobody the, the time or the, um, you know, respect to come up with an answer, be able to tell your family first, you know, like I mean, could be any number of things at play that screw him over. So I think, uh, the teams, of course, like, you are contractually bound, and they have rights. They have a right to this stuff. But I think he's talking more about that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I do think there's a big difference between some of the situations we're dealing with. Like Anthony Davis, and let me let me play out this scenario for yeah. you, okay? Anthony Davis plays good soldier, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't say a word. He just goes out there every day, head down, keeps playing, plays out his contract. The Pelicans don't make the playoffs the last two years. If they do, they're right on the fringe of being able to do anything. And then his free agency is up and Anthony Davis walks. Uh Right. Uh Without saying much, without any fanfare, without getting into it. He's fucking murdered. If he's still a good player and New Orleans Pelicans want this guy, he's he's killed for it the same way. So instead, a year and a half earlier, you give a team a heads up. Hey, I'm out of here anyway. I'm leaving. So if you want Lonzo Ball, Eric Bledsoe, Brandon Ingram, a fucking boatload of picks, hey, trade me. I'm an asset. Let's work together here. I saw nothing wrong with that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's not yeah. forcing a trade. That's like, that's a different scenario. James Harden was in a similar scenario in the idea that he knew his, his future in Houston was over. He turned down the contract. He wasn't going to sign another contract. The difference there is James Harden, as Draymond Green said, he dogged it. Yeah. He gave him no choice. You know what I mean? He's like, he's like, you're either going to get me as a way overpaid, uninvolved, fat shit <laughs> who's going to disease your team, mm-hmm. or you can trade me. You know, so he forced their hand yeah. in that regard. Um but the thing that I think is that if there was some uh historical precedent to guys being good soldiers working things out with teams behind the behind the scenes where the teams actually stay consistent with what they're going to do if uh if Blake Griffin wasn't handled so poorly mm. in the press if you didn't have a fucking press conference for this guy saying you're going to be the greatest clipper of all time You're going to be the thing that saves the Staples Center. Mm. And every player in the league watched his ass, even if it was a good trade or not. Of course it was a good trade for the Clippers. Mm -hmm. They still did it. And they lied. They blatantly lied. They told this guy he was going to be this. And then like, just a couple months later did something completely opposite. So this is where player empowerment came from. It's not like they just fucking invented it. You know what I mean? They've been getting used like this for years and the idea that a couple of them are stepping a little too far probably and shirking their contracts and shirking their responsibilities to put that line in the sand and make that point i think is definitely happening too but the idea that there's just like one side here as being the villain is crazy to me Hmm. i think this is a reaction to many 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 years of bad faith agreements yeah you know, and and if these people really thought we just talked about it the other day with Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. I mean, why even as a businessman are you going to invest two hundred million dollars into something and then give it the finger a day later? Right. You know what I mean? That's yeah. just bad business. Yeah. So, like, that's where I think hopefully moving forward, you're going to see these like collaborative decisions. They're going to be things in players' contracts who are able to have the leverage to put it in those contracts to protect themselves from certain things. So I think it's one of those, like, they're refining the ground here, mm. of what's acceptable and not. And I think Draymond is a voice for it. You know what I mean? I don't know if he thinks everything he's saying is a 1,000% right. right. I think he just knows this needs to get out there and that people who can't speak for themselves currently – need someone to kind of voice it for him
0: and i think the hard thing about this is you know the almost the lack of nuance in because it's like as you said right in this like there's no winners in this it's awkward the way we handle uh, the player movement here because you can't on one hand you're dealing with a actual human being and then on the other hand you're dealing with somebody that you're you're trying to both end up in a better situation than you found it, so it's just awkward. I appreciate the fact that Draymond Green speaking up because I feel like a lot of people would not, you know, take this chance and put themselves out, out there like that. It's something that needed to be said, and I think we're gonna find somewhere down the road where it's more amicable, but for right now, it's still brutal. Yeah, sure is. Well, I'll tell you what isn't brutal, Benny, getting $340 million to live in San Diego in the prime of your life. (laughs) That is the situation that Fernando Tatis Jr. is dealing with, uh, as it was just reported that he signed the big contract. And, Benny, I got to be honest with you. I don't think many people knew who this guy was. So when this kind of popped up, it was like, whoa, what's happening over there in San Diego? Benny, you know I'm not a big baseball fan but if you look at the numbers this 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 seems like a really good move for everybody involved kind of take us inside why this works for everybody
1: well I mean I I love what they're doing I mean you find you know this will be the third highest contract in baseball the other two being Mike Trout and Mookie Betts Mm -hmm. and those players didn't sign those deals until they were 27 one of which for a team he didn't start with so I think this is the clearest case right now of a team targeting its future superstar at 24 years old, which is young for baseball oh. um, and really, really putting that stock in him right off the bat. I mean, this is a 14 year, $340 million contract, full no trade clause that to, to him uh, they could have kept him for four more years until free agency up until he was 27, 28 and then decided to renegotiate. So I think this is the beauty of doing business now. If you target the guy, uh, if inflation keeps the way it will, and 12 years from now, if he's even a shell of himself, it'll be a very manageable contract. Even, Mm. Um, But I guess when you sign these contracts, you sign them for the first six to eight years and and expect uh, digression. Now, remember always, the White Sox gave up Fernando Tatis (laughs) Jr., for a package that got James Shields in return. <laughs> and James Shields did dick for the White Sox. <laughs> so this is gonna go down, if he turns out to be one of these players, one of the worst trades in history. Um, now, Denny, yeah. did you not pose the question to me earlier, I, what would I, I that, do Yeah, with yeah, yeah. $340 million? Mm-hmm. I considered this, mm-hmm. okay? I gave it a little consideration. Okay. Now, I'm not a man of possessions. I don't really like stuff. I'm actually like looking to purge Hmm. stuff, you know. So, besides for a good meal, the basic things I need, a comfortable chair, a new book once every couple months, I'm fine on that. I couldn't even get anywhere near spending $340 million (laughs) in possessions. So, here's what I'm doing first off, any family member or close friend I care about gets sorted out. Mm -hmm. You pay off their mortgage card. You know, you pay off their mortgage, you pay off their cards, you pay off student debt and you help free up these people's lives a little bit. Easy. Uh That's the first one. Easy. Now, secondly, I've always had this one and I like it. I'm going to buy a really big strip mall, (laughs) really, really big strip mall with like 15 to 20 spaces inside of it and target some of the more talented or creative friends I have to each got to run and operate a business in said strip mall not rent free because <laughs> i don't want people totally fucking around <laughs> but really cheap yeah in order to give them artistic freedom and create their businesses the way they want to do it i'll cover the cost of the parking lot and strip mall everybody do cool shit there it's a great investment i'm really excited about that one now lastly land Mm. we're getting land (laughs) i like when uh you know i read the article about like george hill you know who buys like sprawling thousand acre ranch (laughs) in texas and is just like filling it with animals and you know this crazy shit that sounds great so i'll buy one giant piece of land in the states and one giant piece of land elsewhere Mm. thinking maybe africa because Mm. i'm thinking like Africa is like the Fernando Tatis Jr. of the (laughs) modern world, you know, like like I'm buying in now with the fact that like Africa is going to be like a real power player in the next like 20 years, you know, Mm. the whole continent of Africa. Okay, Uh, so I'm putting my money over there. That's Africa is like my Bitcoin right now. Uh, I think I think it's on its way up. And some of the other big dogs. (laughs) on their way down so you know gotta gotta jump on the good ship when you can uh so that's where i'm starting to spend my 340 i i couldn't think of anything else
0: by the way dogecoin i just want to update the audience down to uh five five cents and two something so i i I was up at eight cents but now i'm back down to five so uh we're eating ramen this week um but benny with this i feel like I would want to do a couple things just to make life a little bit easier, right? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. There's a couple, you know, creative projects that I feel like I'd want to put that money toward, but you, you don't, you, God knows you don't need 340 million to do this. I'm not like James Cameron out here. I think the art of flying privately would be nice for a little bit, especially in this COVID world. If, oh, like, so. they say that okay. this is just, you know, like the first pandemic and that because of like the way the world's going, this is going to be like a like a biannual event if that's mm. the way like get me a private jet let me so i can at least not be shoveling out snow for the rest of time
1: yeah but how about this yeah you're gonna have to learn how to fly that i jet. know
0: that was my number, are, yeah. okay,
1: okay. Uh, <laughs> my number you're two okay okay you're gonna have to bruce gonna... dickinson this thing if you want <laughs> yeah to no order.
0: i was going to uh you know head on over to either teterborough or morris uh town airport learn how to fly a little bit and you know I wouldn't get, like, a huge plane. Like, not like a Bruce Springsteen plane. Like, you know, like, eight seats. Oh, yeah. So you can just kind of, you know, dart Easy. around. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> so, and then, you know, I'd probably, you know, I got a couple scripts that I've been writing over time. You know, fund those completely. Um, and that's a potential turn on uh, investment. I don't know, but then you can get, you know, the the creative crew and actors that, that you need for that. Um, and then, like you said also, uh, multiple houses because what good is having this private jet if you don't have places to fly to? And then finally, you know, we got to get back a little bit. You know, you got to feed some people. You got to, you know, take care of uh of the family and then um you know your local community. So that's what I would do.
1: All right. I, I don't know, Denny. I'm a big believer in trickle down economics. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think I'm just gonna uh, spend my money. Add it into the tax system and let the poor, just you know, eat off my trickles. Is this a uh, is this your tribute to Rush Limbaugh? <laughs> oh, I told you not to. <laughs> the only Rush that will be discussed on the Tune Up has Getty Lee and Alex Liveson in it.
0: I still ride with Donovan McNabb. All right, if you want to get in contact with the show, you can email the Tune Up at the TuneUp podcast at gmail.com two p's in there you can follow us on all of the platforms at the TuneUp hq on twitter instagram and tiktok that's right we out here uh if you want to get in touch with the big man he is at benny horowitz one number one in your mind number one in your heart number one on twitter i'm at denny underscore gallagher benny you got anything else yo
1: everybody love everybody
0: stay safe stay warm you've been listening to the tune-up